Thank you for tuning in to the Far Better Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to please God now, so our eternity is far better. Here is your host, Michael Clark. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark. And we're talking about suffering this season. And I kind of have a lot to, to handle today's episode. So, you know, the, the typical introduction and all that's going to have to wait. But don't forget to check our show notes for all of our uh, social media plugs, maybe the information that's used in this particular episode, as well as our email address. And you can email us with anything that you'd like to talk to us about. We'll do what we can to help. Today, we're finishing up our conversation on depression. And to be honest with you, this is probably the most controversial part of the lesson. There's a lot of opinions on the medicinal side of depression. Maybe you're one of the people that falls into this category of believing that medicine is not something that should be used to help with depression. I'd like to ask all of us that are listening, no matter what your side of the aisle, so to speak, is, to take what's going to be said with as much of an open mind and heart as possible, okay? Having gone through depression before, I can tell you, I don't know if I mentioned this in the episodes we've recorded before this, but I'll I'll say it again just in case maybe this is your first time listening or you didn't catch it. I was assigned this particular topic, and it was called Why Do I Feel This Way? And it was about teen depression. And what I kind of learned and discovered is teen depression is is just depression. You know, it's not uh, necessarily anything different except of what we're going to talk about at the very end of this. That's more for the parents and even for the teens, but it's more of an informational, you know, bit for our parents to understand. But depression is depression. No matter what it is that's causing us to feel this way, no matter what it is that's put us into this rut, we're depressed because we have something going on. And you might remember we talked about in the very first episode that there's two different types of of depression. There's the idea of depression that you can't explain. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain. And there's this idea of depression that just kind of comes about due to a circumstance. Well, let's talk about, in the first place, cognitive therapy. This is from the book Mind Over Mood. I I spent hours in preparation for this lesson in a Barnes & Noble trying to find the right book on depression. And I really do like Mind Over Mood and finding out what it had to say. And it says this on cognitive therapy. When we are depressed, we tend to notice and remember the negative aspect of our own experiences than we do the positive. When we're not depressed, we tend to interpret events with a positive basis. For example, say you invite three people to lunch and only two people agree to come. The depressed version of us would say, No one likes me. We're focusing on the one that doesn't come. 
the non-depressed person would look at that and say, well, most people like me. And the other person, they, they probably had plans. Uh, you know, it wasn't anything that they did intentionally. And cognitive therapy helps us to get to that level of rational thinking. It teaches us to identify, to test, and to change our thoughts. Basing it on the positive, negative, and the neutral. And you need to remember, cognitive depression is based on circumstance. It's not a chemical imbalance in the brain. And therefore, we need to get to a point where we can invite somebody and they say, well, I can't make it today and and it not crash our world. Now, when we look at medication, I want you to notice what Mind Over Mood continued to say about medication. Although medication can sometimes help depression, not everyone who is depressed will benefit from it. People who take medication alone are at a greater risk for future relapse than people who combine medication with cognitive and behavioral interventions. If you have been prescribed medication, learning these interventions can minimize the likelihood that you will get depressed again. Then there's behavioral activation. If you track your activities and feelings of depression, you may discover that when you're depressed, you are less active. And for this reason, an important part of recovering from depression is to increase the number of activities that you do each day. Even more important than just the number of activities are the types and quality of activities that we do. In general, we get the biggest mood boost from activities that bring us pleasure and a sense of accomplishment that lead to approaching rather than avoiding life's challenges and that are connected to what we value most. Each of us needs to discover the right personal mix of these different types of activities to improve our mood. For example, Sitting in a dark room, listening to sad music does not count. It doesn't work. Now, I will admit, I'm a dramatic person sometimes, and if you know me well, you might be laughing and saying sometimes. But nonetheless, I am a dramatic person at times. And there have been moments of my life where I will put on sad music and and listen to it. You know the number one times I found myself doing that, though? was when I was on my way to the doctor. You might remember in the last episode I mentioned that I struggled with depression the most when I would be going to the doctor for my checkups to make sure that I was as healthy as healthy can be with a disease that has no cure. And so I'd get in the truck and I would turn on the sad music and I would drive and I would really get into my feels, you know, the... The mindset of, woe is me, and uh, I can't believe this is happening to me, and it never really improved my mood. So I started trying to do something because I noticed on my way back from going to the doctor, I had moments where I was really frustrated and sad and depressed, but for the most part, I felt happy. It's almost like, hey, I got that out of the way. And so I would listen to really, 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 really fun music going away. I'm a big Ben Rector fan and Gavin DeGraw fan, and so I might put on those music artists and listen to their songs for the whole ride home. I started doing that on my way there, too. And when I remembered to do that, it helped. The quality of activities that we're doing 
matters. You know, if we're going to do anything in life, the quality and the type of activity that we're going to do is more important than just the number of activities we're doing. Now, let's look at the biblical approach of this. In the first place, we want to look at disciplining the mind. Disciplining the mind. Now, if we're going to discipline the mind, we have to understand something. What we constantly think about, we tend to become. Okay? Understand this? What we constantly think about, we tend to become. I, I could illustrate that with Proverbs 23 and verse 7, Mark 7, 21 through 23. And those who are almost continuously focusing on the negative, how bad I feel, how hard I have it, what was me, they tend to dredge themselves deeper into depression. We got to learn to concentrate upon more positive things to, to count our blessings. Pleasant thoughts and words are sweet to the soul and health to the bones, Proverbs 16, 24. But we do need to also trust Jehovah. We've got to trust Jehovah here. These are both from Wayne Jackson that we've been looking at. And I want you to notice what he says about trusting Jehovah, not just the idea of disciplining the mind that he mentioned, but trusting in God. Finally, one must leave the unsolvable to God, trusting him no matter what, learning to be content no matter how dire your conditions are, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Recognizing the fact that tranquility of mind does not depend upon the external, but upon the internal. And for his own well-being and to enhance his services to others, the Christian has to learn to control his stress. And the life of trust is not one of continual fretfulness. With a serene confidence, therefore, we need to show the world the true joy of Christianity. Now, this is not saying that it's wrong to have moments of agony and depression and fear and frustration and disappointment. But it is a good idea, I would say, when we're struggling the most with depression, to go look through the book of Philippians to remind ourselves of what life is really all about. Because Paul had that understanding, where we get the podcast name from. To be with the Lord is far better. Struggling in life and being a Christian doesn't make the struggles go away but it does make them easier to handle. But I want to finally submit with you, before I kind of direct our parents and our young teens who might be struggling with this last side that we'll look at after this next point, I want us to remember Jesus. You see, Jesus was someone who was a human. We, we've heard the phrase before and we've said it, that he was a 100% man and a 100% God. And when we say that he was 100% man, what we mean by that is he struggled like man struggles. He hurt like men hurt. And in Luke 22, we have one of the greatest pictures of this. In verse 39, the Bible says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And verse 43 says, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. This word in the Greek literally means to make strong. It's the same word found in Acts 9.19, which says, So when he had received food, talking about Saul or Paul now, he was strengthened. And Kaufman wrote on this subject about strengthening him that Hobbes noted that this primary reference is to physical strength. And just as angels come and strengthen Jesus following his temptation in the wilderness, an angel was ready to provide that physical strength without which Jesus might have died before the time. A divine refreshing pervaded him, body and soul, and thus he received strength to continue to the last in the struggle. And the gospel advocate says, We do not know how the angels ministered to him, whether by sympathy, words of cheer, wiping away the sweat, or by worshiping him to signify recognition of his lordship. But his human nature must be upheld so that a full atonement may be made, and this angel assisted in doing this. Two things real quick. Number one, Jesus is receiving strength from God. Do you think God sent the angel to Jesus and said, I hope you can help? Or do you think God sent an angel that he knew would provide help? Number two, look at verse 44. After this angel has come and strengthened him, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. This wasn't the first time an angel came and helped strengthen Jesus. What was mentioned in the reading that we had in Matthew 4.11, the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And that word there, ministered, is a word in the Greek that means to be an attendant or waiting upon someone as a host, a friend, or figuratively a teacher, but it's technically to act as a Christian deacon. Minister, serve, provide. Who sent the angel? Well, God did, right? So who determined that Jesus needed outside help? You ever thought about that? You know, when Paul prayed and asked to be his infirmity, that is, to be taken away, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not helping you in this. But with Jesus, in this occasion, Jesus was able to have God send an angel to him, and God decided to do that. And why? Evidently, he needed it. If God is willing to send an angel to give physical aid and strength to his own son, are we really making a good argument? when we say that it is a sin to have a doctor prescribe us with medication if we really and truly need it? Look, I'm not, I'm not going to debate or fight with anybody about whether or not someone needs medicine or not. That's, that's not for me to decide for each and every person, and it's really not for you to decide unless you're a doctor. 
But if my doctor tells me, I think this will help fix the problem, and it starts to fix the problem, how is that in God's mind any different than having an angel come and administering strength to me? I think we need to be more careful about judging on matters that we ourselves have never experienced and be willing to do the research. And maybe there's research out there I haven't considered that would make me wrong, and I would love for you to check the show notes and send us an email that will get to me on this subject. I'd be happy to read over it. But I think the argument can easily be made that Jesus needed the help of this angel. And God was willing to provide the help. Now, as we close on this topic of depression, I want to focus to our young people for a moment. You know, if research and studies show that people with depression are more likely to self-harm, and they do, then we need to do whatever we can to stop it. You know, in the U.S., it's estimated that one in every 200 girls between ages of 13 and 19, or one half of 1% are cutting themselves regularly, according to teenhelp.com. According to Scott Counseling, 40% of all individuals who commit self-injury are males. The youth of our nation are hurting from inside and out. Cutting is not the only issue that young people are facing. In fact, about 33% have been diagnosed with clinical depression and are searching for anything to distract them from the pain. And the third leading cause of death among those ages 15 to 24 is suicide. About 60% of young people have experimented with illicit drugs. You know, Timothy was allowed to have wine for his stomach's sake, and we need to understand there are certain situations where medicine, coupled with therapy and other training, may be necessary. It doesn't mean this individual has improper faith because Jesus struggled. David struggled. And if I were to summarize on how to fight depression, I'd give you three things to do. Number one, get help and get help now. Number two, take what the doctors say and evaluate honestly what they're telling you. Are they doing what is best for you? Are they right? And if they are, listen to them. If they're not, get a new doctor. It's too important. And number three, understand that God still loves you no matter what you are facing. Remember 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. I'm thankful that you've taken a moment to sit down with me or drive in your car or take a jog or cleaning your house, whatever it may be, that you've taken a moment to study with me. And I hope you'll understand life is too important, eternity is too important to allow what is currently bothering you to consume you. We can all please God now. So our eternities that we will all have and experience, our individual eternity, I can't experience your eternity, you can't experience mine unless we're there together. Well, let's get to the eternity that we all should want. 
by pleasing God now so our eternity can be far better. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.